Today on The Bigger Picture, I have the pleasure of speaking with Uriel Reichmann, the founder of the first private university, Reichmann University, here in Israel. Uriel, welcome to the show. Pleased to be with you. I think that it's fair to say that we find ourselves today in a war on democracy, and all while under the guise of an innocent and benign judicial reform. Firstly, I think that in this modern world, we take democracy for granted. We perceive it as a fact of life, and we often forget that the democracies that we find ourselves in have been built. And if they're not maintained and upheld, they can also crumble. So let me ask you uh, the first most important question. What is democracy? Well, first, let me say that I'm very pleased to, to have this talk with you. Well, democracy is not just the rule of the majority. Um, uh, democracy is actually a name, translated from Greek. It's a voice of the, of the people. But um, democracy, liberal democracy, what we um, learn to recognize as a democracy in, modern, in the modern era, um, is a democracy that is built on two very basic elements, um, many other in ingredients, but two basic elements. First, that the, um, there is a, uh, via representation, uh, the majority decides and um, controls the uh, legislation. The parliament is controlling the legislation. And... Um, but there is, in every democracy, there is uh, ways and means, uh, ways and means to control uh, that, uh, that power because it uh, can lead to the uh, tyranny of the majority. So in Israel, um, and there are various means and, and ways to do it, and usually it's several elements that control the two houses of parliament, the uh, separation of powers. Right, the checks uh, there and balances. Is, there is, uh, yeah, there is uh, checks and balances. In Israel, we have only one major check, which is the Supreme Court of the, of, of the state. Um, in Israel, um, in a very strange way, due to the coalition system, government is controlling basically the parliament. Uh, due to the um, coalition system, um, due to, uh, by the way of uh, coalition agreements, um, actually every decision by the government is uh, immediately supported by the majority of, uh, of the parliament, of the Knesset. So you have a situation uh, that the only safeguard uh, is not separation of powers, actually, but only the Supreme Court of the state. So, um, and that issue um, is um, challenged in a horrible way today. Absolutely. I think that, you know, we often uh, make this mistake of assuming, as, you know, the great uh, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. said, that, that the moral arc of the universe is long and it bends towards justice. And I think that we while I would love to wholeheartedly believe that, uh, on the whole, we are becoming more humane and we're progressing morally, I think it's also very important to understand that there is this ever-present danger of regressing towards 
less humane and more archaic ways of being and organizing ourselves as a society. So what do you think are the biggest mistakes that people are making today when they're interpreting the situation that we find ourselves in? And what are the glaring blind spots that you see in the public discourse? Well, we have a a situation, a very strange situation, uh, that uh, the present coalition, for various reasons and interests that we may explore later on, uh, decided to do away with the uh, democratic systems that we had from the very inception of the State of Israel under our Declaration of Independence. Um, By adopting this uh, call, this uh, attitude that democracy is just the rule of the uh, majority and there are no other safe, there are no safeguards beyond uh, the, the decisions and the laws of the of the parliament. Um, we um, came into a very bizarre situation that we didn't expect in the country. Um, one has to understand what really happened um, on the the um, campaign uh, didn't really um, expose the um, um, intentions of uh, doing away with democracy. They just said that there must be some um, judicial reforms. And what they did, uh, actually, was to um, put forward several rules that actually eliminated the Supreme Court. First, they said that there is a, the rule of um, there will be a rule of, of the majority that can overrun by by just fifty percent of um, of the parliament members plus one vote uh, every decision of the court. So there, if the the court thinks that um, a certain um, piece of legislation is in violent in violation of the basic principle of a democratic society, and uh, uh, is like in the United States and other uh, Western countries, um, and is declaring that uh, the uh, law is unconstitutional, um, the, the parliament can overrun it, say, you know, okay, it doesn't fit us, it's, um, it's no good, it's cancelled, the decision has no effect. And there are other elements that they put forward, uh, they um, the demanded um, certain majority by any decision of the court, which is a constitutional decision, very that the court will have to reach a decision only with um, uh, uh, the 15 members of the Supreme Court and 13 voting against it. So two can, two or three can um, hold up um, the decision against parliament, which in any case, the parliament can overrun. And uh, there are many other elements that they put in special laws that um, actually uh, uh, altogether totally suffocated, uh, intended to suffocate the the Supreme Court of Israel. So by not uh, doing it, um, they didn't uh, cancel, of course, the court, but what they did was simply take away the um, the entire power of the, the uh, of the supreme court to uh, review uh, having a judicial review uh, of uh, the decision of parliament and alongside also you know if you're trying to 
to do away with um, uh, administrative decisions, even in that uh, element, they uh, they move uh, moving into uh, uh, limiting very much uh, the, the the power of the court. So, what we ended up with was put immediately after the election on the table a, a full system that it's absolutely intention was to have the uh, total uh, ability by parliament to make whatever decisions and laws they intend. As a result of it, um, we were de- deprived of uh, the very very basic tenets of um, basic citizens' rights. We became at once, uh, if they succeed, uh, subjects instead of uh, citizens. Um, each democracy maintains a system of protection of um, uh, basic human and, and citizens' rights that um, gives you, uh, protects certain very basic freedoms and, uh, and rights. And, um, um, and the situation of um, equality before the law uh, that cannot be denied by, by a simple majority, by majority at all, and by parliament. And that is exactly what they um, wanted to do. And as a result, they came up immediately after they presented what they wanted to do, which wasn't presented before the election. They presented it in an outcry by many, by the people, which they didn't believe probably that it will come out, um, at least not in such a power. And um, what you ended up with is millions of Israelis sending with the flags and demanding the government to renege on uh, that kind of legislation. Um, it's uh, very interesting to, to see it. The demonstrators didn't say that the government is illegal, but they said what they are about to do with a scheme, the total scheme, is, um, is unconstitutional in violation of the basic principles on which the state of Israel was founded, according to the Declaration, our Declaration of Independence. They didn't want any, you know, kind of uh, uh, reduction in income tax or any special rights and so on and so forth. Just you saw millions of Israelis standing 34, day, uh, 34 weeks now standing with the flag, uh, waving the flags, people from all parts of society, and asking one thing, stop this kind of anti-democratic revolution. So these protests have been going on for a while now, and I think that one of the positives that have come out of these protests is that it has united people who weren't united beforehand. And yet we do find ourselves with extreme polarization in Israel. And I think it's a phenomenon that we're seeing the world over, partly due to the digital age that we live in and the fact that we all exist in these secluded information silos. You know, we're fed by a screen, by a personalized algorithm that caters to our confirmation bias and alienates us from one another even more. What 
kind of polarization have you been seeing here in Israel? What are the sources of it? And do you see any way of bridging the gap? It's a unique situation that uh, was developed due to a combination or a unity of uh, anti-democratic uh, sentiments among part of the, of the population. A part that um, most of them voted for, for this uh, government that is established uh, now in Israel. You have to understand that there is, uh, over the years, there was, there is a growing rift bet between various parts of the Israeli society. Um, there are the ultra-Orthodox, there are the, uh, especially the Ashkenazi uh, ultra-Orthodox, that um, they um, started, they inherited the opposition in uh, the European uh, ultra-Orthodox Jews um, in Europe against the Zionist movement. They saw the Zionist movement, which was mainly run by secular Jews, as um, um, illegal, so to speak. It's um, like being heretic, um, and um, they were totally against it. And indeed, um, I don't know what would, ha would have happened to uh, the Jewish people if Zionism uh, wasn't uh, established and run uh, very effectively from the, let's say, the last quarter of the 19th century. I don't know if we would have uh, survived at all after the Holocaust if Zionism wasn't uh, in existence and the state of Israel would, wasn't, uh, wasn't not intended to be born. But uh, they came and, uh, to Israel, uh, remnants, you know, people that uh, um, continued the tradition of the anti-Zionist uh, approach from Europe. And uh, whereas uh, we, the, the Zionist movement, thought that this is a uh, salvation of, of uh, Geula, of um, the, 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 let's say, the third chapter in Jewish history, and uh, a jubilation of, of uh, building again our uh, national uh, homeland. Uh, they felt differently, and they tried to continue the um, the diaspora ghetto existence of Europe in Israel, and they actually felt that they are not recognizing this Jewish state uh, being, a, so to speak, heretic. And uh, what they wanted to do was to um, establishing, as I said, um, an autonomy, a ghetto autonomy within the state of Israel. And they grew in numbers, and all the time they refused to take part in the great story of building this country, of standing up in the War of Independence, uh, contributing to the other wars that we had, taking an active role in the economy of the country but um, still demanding that uh, the, um, uh, the governments and the coalitions uh, would continue to support them in their inclusive uh, attitudes. And um, 
that created a tremendous uh, split all over the years. Um, the uh, many, you cannot generalize about all the uh, ultra-Orthodox, Haridim, so to call, as they are called. Uh, there are different groups and uh, so on, and there are some differences between the Sephardi uh, Haredim, which are m- much more forthcoming and uh, taking to a large extent part in the story of this country. Many of their followers are serving in the army and uh, working and so on, and they mainly uh, part of uh, the large part of the Ashkenazi uh, Haredim. And um, this symbiosis created um, a tremendous uh, split. On the one hand, the Haredim saw us, the majority, the liberal majority, as uh, goyim, non-Jews, not really Jews. And according to ancient Jewish traditions, you have to punish them. You don't have to allow them within their members. And uh, they were extreme um, in the past, in the Gola, and you can understand it. People that step out of the community, but still was living there, extreme measures were taken against them. And on the other side, the liberal society uh, was uh, saw them as um, non, actually not part of of the country. Um, they uh, resented very much, uh, you know, the demands for supports and so on. And in some cases, they saw them. As, a, as not even a religion, but as a kind of um, strange phenomena, um, like a sect uh, that uh, is emphasizing ancient uh, law that should have been uh, totally reformed uh, uh, hundreds of years ago. So this split actually exploded. It exploded by the very fact that the ultra-Orthodox um, uh, decided to support an anti-democratic uh, regime, um, a, a new regime that um, didn't take into the basic, um, uh, uh, our basic attitudes that are calling for judicial uh, supervision of uh, the, um, of the uh, rule of the Knesset. And what was the, re- the, um, the result that this very strange existence that we support them economically and they are not taking part in what's happening in in the state and so on exploded at once we said hey it's not only that that we are support to contribute and finance them and help them uh, you know in, in the jewish tradition we say uh, being the servants, uh, people who serve them, but now they want also to kill our basic principles, our uh, most important elements that puts us together, which is a democracy. So at once, everything came up, and the uh, grievances of the uh, liberals, uh, liberal people fighting for the country and so on, against them actually came out, and they said, well, you know, we are not going to continue with it. That is one group, but if you want, we can discuss the other groups that um, formed this uh, awful situation, awkward situation, that uh, they wanted to declare the end of democracy in Israel. Who are these other groups? Well, there is, actually, there is a group of um, Messiahic religions, uh, people that uh, built um, a theory um, 
uh, an orthodox theory that stems basically from the settlers in the in the West Bank, in Judea and Samaria. Uh, they are uh, disciples of the uh, Cook. There was uh, the Rabbi Cook, uh, was um, the Rabbi of uh, the uh, Major Rav Rashi um, in Israel before Israel was born in the beginning of the 20th century. Um, and he had another theory, whereas the ultra-Orthodox of the past uh, were totally against the idea of um, being, um, they, they didn't think that we are doing the right thing. Uh, the liberals are, are not, um, the, Zionists, the settlers um, are not part of them. Um, and they violate uh, the religious norms. Um, Rav Cook said, well, you know, it's the beginning of, um, of resettling the country and thereby by the, by the settlers, by the pioneers, Chalutzim, uh, um, they are serving um, a, um, a religious purpose of resettlement of the state of Israel. But they, they, at the end, they serve only the physical needs, um, the chomra, the um, uh, economic and uh, power uh, uh, foundations uh, for uh, the rebirth of um, uh, the shivatzion from the religious point of view. So after everything will be settled and so on, the leadership. Uh, uh, will come and basically will take over um, the um, the rule of the country, and the country should become total religious. That was it. Started with Rabbi Cook, the father. It continued very much um, after the Six Day War by his son, uh, and it was developed into a very um, extreme. Uh, point of view that slowly conquered a good part of the um, uh, national religious party people of the past that were the past of the Zionist movement and supporters of democracy. And what they, their approach was the following. First, that um, what we want to bring together is the three major items of Judaism, which means Torah Israel, the religious law, um, the land of Israel, which included, of course, every centimeter from the from Judea and Samaria and so on, and Am Israel or Medinat Israel, the state of Israel, which they regard as a holy, holy thing. So, by by uh, creating a situation that we will take control of, the Jews will take full control of Judea and Samaria and, of course, the state of Israel. And there is another story, not the nicest one, how what to do with the non-Jewish parts of it. And using every legitimate, so to speak, um, a, a way of uh, con converting or bringing back into the orthodox uh, elements of Judaism, of the entire Jewish population in, in Israel, then we are coming closer to the glorious days that Messiah will actually come and it will be 
will create the unity of uh, the state of Israel, the and uh, the people that will all become religious to Art Israel, they will get, and of course all of Eretz Israel. And then that is the purpose and aim. And to that purpose, they will try to use every democratic system in order to do it. That group has uh, some very dangerous parts in it. On the extreme, um, people like uh, Rabbi Dov Lior um, um, is, a, is a leader of it. Uh, that group is, uh, at least in my view, is um, in, in clear violation of what I regard as being Jewish at all. Um, that is um, a kind of um, fundamentalism that uh, brings about uh, even murderous uh, altruism, um, that people are so engulfed in it and supported that they are ready to risk their lives in order to commit crimes in the name of the Lord. And a holy rage. Uh, yeah, and that is, that is um, um, uh, a horrible situation. It's like, you know, the extreme uh, groups uh, in Islam that, uh, that are uh, doing it. And this Rabbi Lior, according to what, uh, what we know, was the one that um, gave the legitimacy called um, Rodef, uh, you know, uh, the legitimacy of um, doing away with Rabin um, uh, at the time. And he was uh, the rabbi that supported the um, Jewish underground that uh, went into the uh, um, Islamic uh, college and killed uh, murdered three students and wounded many. Um, and he was the one in a horrific way uh, you know, chatted us all, said that um, this crazy doctor, the Kahana supported uh, medical physicians in Hebron, which went into Me'arat um, HaMachpelah, in a place where, um, just before the holidays uh, of the Muslims, went in and murdered 20, 29 people and wounded, I don't know, about 150. Uh, he said he is, you know, is a sacred uh, person and he is like a sacred person, like the Jews that uh, perished in the Holocaust. So it, it is something that, um, um, an ideology that uh, would probably approve uh, some uh, acts action by the uh, settlers against the Arabs and the Palestinians and so on in the, the Gada, being even believing that um, they have this uh, Jewish uh, call, the right to disobey the uh, land of Israel, the uh, democratic uh, rule of, of, of Israel insofar um, by decisions that, for example, uh, uh, would relate to reaching a compromise, for example, on the, on the West Bank and so on and so forth, and uh, taking the law into their hands. So that group was the one that designed the entire system 
and it was published in their circles before the election. And uh, the Likud, through the um, Minister of Justice, Levin, took it and presented it. But it was fully designed before. And uh, after, and they actually used this revolution that happened in a very um, revolutionary way. Immediately after the election, they moved in order to implement it. They decided in the coalition agreement by all the parties to the coalition that the first order of the day will be legislate all those rules that I've mentioned before that will, you know, basically take away the power of the court and the Supreme Court. And they did it right away. And at the same time, immediately, the first nomination of the new government was to name, nominate Mr. Ben Gvir to become the head of the front, uh, front unit, Mishmar uh, Agvul, and, and the police, which is the, basically the dream of every revolution. First control the police, which is the only body that can uh, actually uh, use force against citizens by law. And uh, they was given to, to immediately to Ben-Gvir, who is a Kahanic person, who is a disciple openly of this uh, Rabbi Leo that I've mentioned before, this extreme rabbi. And um, he himself was um, honored um, the, um, this killer from Narata Machpela that killed this um, Muslim uh, people who prayed and had the picture of him in, in his uh, apartment. He is, you know, a, a person that I wouldn't trust in, in giving them uh, this uh, power. And at the same time, actually, also uh, immediately Netanyahu nominated the head of the ultra-Orthodox, uh, uh, the, um, this uh, messianic uh, uh, group, um, the head of it, um, it's called the religious Zionist group, but it doesn't have with the history of Zionism as a movement, uh, nothing to do with. And um, he nominated him a person responsible for all the civil elements in the in Judea and Samaria, which made him in control over settlements and made him in control over the Jews and the Arabs living, the Palestinians living there. So what, have, what, what actually happened was um, immediately, um, it was like um, an, you know, a commando night operation to, to topple the regime, to do away with this um, democratic system by immediately doing, coming up with it immediately after elections, moving fast forward to pass all the laws and uh, having, giving the, an extreme person the power over controlling the, uh, the police and the uh, guard, the border guard uh, um, armed uh, units uh, as well. So we were faced immediately with such a thing. Wouldn't be if we wouldn't have this uprising, this stand up of the you know the entire people standing um, the liberal part of society, understanding what's happening, and saying no, we are not going to take it. You won the elections, okay, but you have no right to change the system of government, and under the guise of uh, judicial reform create a total revolution 
um, a constitutional revolution, so to speak, a governmental revolution in the state of Israel. And here we are, it stopped. This fast forward movement stopped, and we are in this situation right now, which we have a stand standstill between the parties. Now, beyond it is, of course, the responsibility of uh, Prime Minister Netanyahu. He, his party, historically, was one of um, a liberal, a liberal free enterprise uh, national party. Um, um, what happened was two things uh, in which, um, under his uh, leadership over the years, his, um, he was running um, campaigns emphasizing hatred. Um, and mainly hatred based on, on Sephardic Jews being deprived, so to speak, and so on, which happened in the past to some extent, but um, definitely is not a story today. But he brought up uh, resentments um, of uh, being uh, supposedly representing the resentments of the grandfathers of people today um, against the system or taking over of the Ashkenazi, so on and so forth. And there are certain elements that they, in his party, they didn't, um, you know, said, okay, but time is card. Let's change uh, the running of the system uh, by other elements than before. But Netanyahu, after he was um, accused and the campaign against him uh, was running all the time, actually changed his uh, attitudes and views. And um, we all believe that he adopted, it's nothing new, having a, a revolution of, of its kind by, um, by uh, changing the system of a change of the simple majority with no control, with no um, the court or any other elements uh, to uh, review uh, what the decisions without judicial review and so on. Um, that happened before in um, Hungary, in Poland, and even more extreme in Turkey. And Turkey is similar to, to a large extent with what was about probably to develop um, even beyond uh, Mr. Netanyahu's uh, beliefs by the Messiatic and the extreme orthodox by having replacing Muslim law, that uh, the Sharia law that um, Erdogan is put in Turkey um, into Israel. So, and, and uh, Netanyahu himself, it was a friend, a close person, uh, and we shared, we tried to change the system. At the time, we worked together changing system, the uh, uh, reducing the pressure of uh, coalition system by having the recollection of the prime minister constitution. He, he actually changed his view. He was very disappointed. He believed, I believe that what happened with him he uh, felt that he is betrayed, that he gave his life, he contributed so much to the country, and he is chased uh, for nothing, for some presents that he uh, was received, and so on. And he changed his view and joined the non-democratic uh, groups within the state of Israel. And by this way, and by signing the coalition agreements and deciding that there should be 
moved forward immediately after his election, he even prevented a discussion of those major so-called uh, reforms within his own party. It was never discussed, never asked by, of course, not by the supporters of his party because it wasn't presented that that is the purpose before the election. And even after the election, it was never discussed within uh, his party and even today not. So what happened was a strange combination of different forces that joined together in order to move Israel into entire different country, at least like Hungary. Um, and I believe it would have led if they, uh, if it would have happened, the highway would have led from Budapest at least to Ankara. Israel has a unique and complex task. The fact that we are a Jewish state by definition uh, leaves a lot to be open for interpretation. And while we know that religion and state don't often mix well, uh, as history has taught us, uh, we regard church and state, um, the separation of church and state as an advancement in human civilization. And we regard religious freedom as a fundamental human right. And as you alluded to, uh, we have these uh, streams and these groups that would like to interpret our Declaration of Independence as legitimizing the erection of a Al-Ha state, right? Of a state where we are governed by Jewish law as interpreted uh, by the rabbinate. What do you think is the solution for understanding how to define ourselves as a Jewish state and as a democratic state? The only foundation that we have is uh, the Declaration of Independence. And so far as I'm concerned, I see the Declaration of Independence second most important document in Jewish history. The first is, of course, the Ten Commandments. Um, it was given, it's a moral obligation, and um, one of the most beautiful creation in human history. Um, we can talk about it, but that was the um, anima amin, which was uh, what the, the moral and... Um, obligations, moral commitment of the Jewish people on the march, on the walk, on the journey uh, to become a, a nation, um, uh, taking this um, long uh, journey into Israel from Egypt, from slave, from slavery into um, an independent uh, Jewish state. And that morality was um, the guiding elements, guiding principles according to, to, um, uh, to the Ten Commandments. And the Ten Commandments emphasized, first of all, not, which was a major revolution at the time in the 14th uh, century B BC, that they were against all the worshipping, the uh, kind of the uh, kind of stones and uh, Woods and uh, uh, all kind of statutes and so on and so on and so forth. Um, that was a 
major revolution in the old uh, old uh, the days when the entire world was using it um, instead of it it was the un non-physical kind of uh, abstract Lord that is uh, the heart of which is beaming with the human spirit and human morality that was the first thing second was freedom um, in Ten Commandments it says well it is everybody I not not the people every Jew you know is now um, freed of slavery the idea of freedom of individual freedom is part of um, of Judaism and then they have morality there are things that you shouldn't do any against all crimes and moral moral behavior and then is humanism which wasn't um, so much it, it, it was created by the Jews in so in, in so to speak by the very fact that on Saturday not only you should rest also your slave and you the animal on that you are working you shouldn't forget it uh, we believe in humanism we believe in in the, in, in the right of individuals to be free and having this small commitment um, for you and of course add to it the um, the uh, justice the rule of of more law that is guiding well guiding the the Jewish people that that was a command so it is a uh, it, it, it is a declaration uh, that was given and guided the Jewish people to On the way to becoming a nation from slavery now what happened um, out of horrible situations of generations in exile that the Jewish blood was you know in every river you could see the all over Europe the Jewish blood flowing uh, finally um, the and and of course Alaha Uh, Jewish law um, did one thing one more most imp- did of course the most important thing by preserving Judaism by to, to a large extent by also interpreting um, national traditions and laws into into religious ones and thereby uh, they were able to create this uh, wonderful creation of a virtual nation. Um, without land without common language without anything you know um, different uh, people spreading around even different races and so on and upholding the idea of uh, of the Jewish people now we had the Holocaust and um, horrible thing and we came back to Israel and all the political parties at that time united and agreed to On a declaration and that declaration emphasized that we are a Jewish nation and our values are values which are alongside with the most developed ideas of um, humanism 
um, that were expressed a little bit after our recognition by the United Nations, by the um, by the covenant of the International Covenant of Human Rights, that was uh, very influenced by Judaism, basically, and um, and we said, okay, it's a Jewish state. The major role of the Jewish state is gathering, gathering the exiles, bringing people together. But it is a state that is committed to equality before the law, regardless of of nationality, of sex, of of of, um, of uh, religion, of nationality. Uh, it's the the idea of equality. Is is the ideology of state of Israel? Yes, there is freedom of religion, but at the same time, there can be. We are committed to preserve the status quo of the holy places, and we uh, we said, okay, we are not doing anything against other ideologies, and so the state has to protect the right of individual to exercise. Uh, every religion, of course, it's a Jewish uh, religion and so on, but it's not the control. We are not the Declaration of Independence by emphasizing what I've just mentioned. It clearly says it's not not the Jewish law that is going to, to rule us, to prevail us. Yes, Jewish law, uh, law will be preserved, and according to uh, the national law that came, you know, in the recent years, uh, the holidays of the uh, the Jewish holidays are the national holidays of the, of the land. And our symbols, the flag, and so on, and our capital, and so on, all relate to the history of Judaism, and so on. But it's not the halachic state. And it's rightfully not, because the halacha, the, 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 what was developed in the diaspora was something of difference. It was different than what the kind of religion that was exercised in Israel at uh, at the times that we the Jews lived in in you know uncontrolled in the in, in Israel. Uh, it has another mission, which I've just said, to preserve this very strange idea of Jews being spread all over the world and still feeling as unity. But after all, it is an ancient system of law, which uh, takes into consideration the situation of the Middle Ages at best, if not before. And one cannot exercise, in my view, um, the, the Jewish law as it was exercised in the diaspora. At the time that there was no airplane and no car, no uh, internet and uh, no telephone and no artificial intelligence and nothing else, you know, and and there was no state of Israel that should be um, within the notions of the advanced countries in the world and so on and so forth. And science blew, you know, went into places that um, gives explanations that the ancient time didn't have, people didn't have it. It's entirely new environment and entirely huge undertaking. And here the, our Declaration of Independence said, okay, this is what we have. And this is our commitments to the most advanced human rights and uh, liberal ideas. Um, and it is Jewish state because 
we are Jews. And, but it doesn't mean that we have to exercise this ancient um, laws of Judaism that uh, were very important to preserve Judaism in the diaspora, but has no meaning uh, to a large extent to the modern environment and developments in the world and the very existence of the Jewish state. And our common law system that our judicial system is based on is able to adapt and evolve. And I think, as you said, uh, we do need things that fit our modern environment. Uriel, my final question. What is yet to be done? What are the areas now that we think that you think that we need to focus on most in order to ensure in Israel that we will all want to live in? Right now, we shouldn't speak about um, kind of um, unity. It's, um, um, you know, uh, people, as I've explained, people have different views about um, what should be done in the country, what should be the value system of the country. The country split. What we have to, to emphasize is the fact that we have a commitment to the Jewish state. And there is a place for everybody in the Jewish state. And there should be equality in, uh, in the Jewish state. And um, people cannot uh, hold on on the, on the uh, attitudes without contributing. They get the freedom, everybody gets the freedom to exercise religion as, he under, as she or he understands, and his rabbi or her rabbi understand. Her rabbi is a, you know, doesn't exist that much among the ultra-orthodox. But um, what we have to, to, to safeguard is a democratic system and the protection of individual freedoms and values. So what I would do right now in this moment is to stop the split and what is moving uh, dangerously towards a confrontation. Uh, because it's, to, to be sure, uh, the at least half of the population, if not more, uh, will not be uh, ready to live under the uh, coalition uh, total rule and um, without any, uh, any judicial review. And um, so what has to, to be done is first to solidify uh, the, um, the, the laws uh, which protect the human um, dignity and freedom, basic law, to change it that will include at least, um, you know, certain elements that are missing, but the most important is equality. And uh, we should pass um, a system that will give a special standing to um, basic laws, including, most of all, the basic law of um, human dignity and freedom, that it couldn't be changed or overrun decisions of the court, moving, making decisions according to that basic law. Um, there shouldn't be changed this law by less than 80, uh, uh, 80 members of, out of 120 members of the Knesset. 
Um, that should be done immediately. And thereby, and of course, it's a system of um, uh, selecting uh, judges altogether should be the system that we have today should stay in touch and uh, shouldn't be changed, which creates a system, without going into detail, a system of uh, reaching compromises which no one have uh, the upper hand. Um, and thereby, compromises will be made and uh, thereby a representation of ele- different elements of society uh, will be represented in the court, except those who totally are against democracy. Um, doing that can leave many other issues still open and up to uh, hit a debate between uh, the Orthodox um, and the Messiatic uh, groups and uh, the liberal, uh, which I believe the liberal majority. But, um, okay, that can be discussed. It can be even, um, you know, uh, very aggressive con- um, uh, split of opinions and so on. But the first move, order of the day, is saying there is no democratic revolution. There is no anti-democratic revolution, so to speak. We guarantee the basic human rights, and we guarantee the power of the court um, uh, in order to to preserve the the control, the judicial review of um, legislation of the Knesset. If that comes, then it will not solve the problems, but it will... um, create a system that we have a safeguard, an important safeguard to the continue, continuity of the democratic system, that we are not gliding into Hungary or Ankara or, uh, or Turkey. Uh, if, that is, if that we reach a decision right now, we say, okay, that's the end of the revolution, the counter against the democracy and against basic rights, uh, human rights, then the system, then we at least are able to say, okay, we are safeguarded democracy. That doesn't mean that we are one. There are, we are in tremendous split of opinions. But okay, that is, here we can fight it through um, the democratic system and reach compromises. And there will be one Knesset and another Knesset and so on and so forth but it will not um, overturn um, uh, this, and it will enable us to live together. The idea is two things. First, understand that we, it's our destiny, and our deep commitment to give a chance to this great story of um, the third, uh, of the Zionist, uh, revolution of this, I wouldn't say miracle, because we bought our independence by sacrificing a lot of Jewish blood and commitment of many who gave their life, um, gave their lives to establish the state of Israel and contribute all, all our knowledge and um, commitment to the um, flourishing of our society. 
we have to stay together. And we have to sort out our, through the democratic system. But by safeguarding democracy, um, we have to do it. Uh, I, I think that what happened recently showed us all that we have uh, great differences. Uh, that this horrible attempt of denying us the protection of the law and doing away with democracy is alarming. But if what I said will be passed by legislation as soon as possible, uh, we have a chance of um, seeing how we um, will move away from extreme religion and um, populistic uh, approaches and find a way, step by step, of um, um, being able to build over uh, what we uh, were confronting uh, recently. There is a long way, and we have to recognize that we are not one. We are not. We are one in the case that we should never give up what was bestowed upon us, not by by divine power, but with what bestowed upon us by tremendous commitment of so many people, with the love of, um, with, with uh, being identified with the history of the Jewish people, um, and um, try to, to, to find a cure to the wounds and schisms that uh, uh, we are confronting today. So this one small step that I've mentioned is a way to get out of uh, what we are facing today and put us on understanding of a road that we have to listen to each other and try to accommodate us within the framework of democracy that is based on certain inalienable uh, basic rights, human rights, and citizens' rights, and recognizing also the, um, those who are living in Israel who are not Jewish, and they should also benefit from the rule of law. Uriel, this has been an enlightening conversation. Thank you so much for your time and for this very important message. Well, I'm very happy to have the opportunity to meet you again. I was very impressed by your speech at your <laughs> graduation. And I'm, I'm very happy that you are doing uh, your working and enlightening the, the public with conversations that you are uh, actually initiating. Thank you, Ariel. It's a real honor.